Hey. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Who's this? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Who's this? New podcast. Who's this? Mm. It's not a new podcast. It's almost the weekend. We're just playing. We're playing. This is an old podcast at this point. I think most podcasts are like, yeah, we'll do a podcast. And they do it for like, you know, max three months. And then they're like, I can't keep this up anymore. And then they, uh, they end. But no, we are old. We're wizened. Yeah. We're, we, uh, we're committed friends. Yeah. Yep. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, we are committed to bring you what we agreed that we actually don't bring any information to people. So what what are we bringing? We discussed this in the first weeks of this podcast or the first <laughs> few episodes. We were like, we have nothing to say. We have nothing to add. <laughs> as long as we acknowledge this up front, I feel like I can sort of look past the fact that I'm actively recording myself and putting it out there. Because <laughs> that is extremely confronting. <laughs> yeah. very like you know hard to reconcile with yourself style um piece of information <laughs> so yeah um we we are we're doing this we're, we're giving it a hot go we've been going for <laughs> over a year now right uh no nah, nah. no i mean i i guess we've been recording for over a year but this is this is episode what 49 or 50 so like episode 52 uh... will be the the one year annie Dude, do we have anything queued up for the one-year Annie? Absolutely nothing. Okay. (laughs) We can change that, though. That's, you know, we're the masters of our own reality. Maybe we should do, like, a complete flip, you know, do a podcast on something else just for that episode. That would be really fun. Yeah. I I can totally get behind that. All right, let's do it. (laughs) Um, So, how are you, dude? I'm good. Um... Yeah, I'm feeling feeling pretty pretty swish. Had lots of good rest this week. Lots of good mm. rest last night. Feeling fresh like a daisy. Mm, um, that's nice. We got uh, my uncle and his partner coming around for lunch today. So pumped to see them. Haven't seen them in ages, and they haven't seen our house. So they're excited to see our house. Oh, cool. Um, dude, you haven't seen my house. When next time you're in, when you, whenever you're well enough and come to Melbourne, we can we can have you over and and see Bro. the digs. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, that's how long I've been sick, right? I, like, I haven't seen, been to your house. I haven't been to Damo's house. Yep. I haven't been to Dom's house. Uh, oh, I haven't been to JT's. Like, all my friends have moved yeah. and I've not seen their houses in years. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, but, yeah, no, I've been good. They, they've been doing, like, all these works near my house on the... Um, the wetlands there's like this creek that they like man-made creek that they built through the estate mm-hmm. and um there's a bunch of it used to just be like a footpath and a filthy creek that had no water in it um, <laughs> delicious but, yeah um but since like the last month or so they've been like you know getting rid of all the weeds they put in like heaps of grass and trees and a playground a sand pit which is almost immediately going to turn into like stray cat litter box but i'm fine with that um, <laughs> And like, yeah, just heaps of nature is showing up there now. Like there's two families of ducks. I saw a weird bird last night. It looked like a Pokemon landed on the roof of the little barbecue area. <laughs> looked um, like a Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, we got to investigate. Maybe that's what we can dedicate the 52nd episode to is finding <laughs> out what bird that was. I'll go out at night and do, cause I saw it like late at night. I was walking the dog, uh, yeah, it like landed on the roof and scared the hell out of me. So yeah, maybe <laughs> I'll go out there again and see if I can get a picture of it. Yeah, sick. Um, how about you? How are you doing, man? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm a bit crispy. Um, mm. You know, 
I saw the topic for this week in, in our little doc and I was like, oh, I am so on board with this. Mm. Um, completely of my own volition, I've just been doing all my favourite things. Like, I've been listening to my favourite albums, watching my favourite movies, and I started playing Hollow Knight, which is I my favourite video game. Yeah. And I just, I'm in that cosy zone. Um, but Excellent. man, yeah. I've been playing a lot of Hollow Knight. That game is just the greatest game that ever lived. It is <laughs> so good. I can't... Yeah. yeah, it's it makes me feel so weird about Silksong because it's just honestly so perfect. Like, everything is amazing. The writing, the characters, like, the stuff the characters tell you, everything is useful or it builds the world or it builds the character. Like, mm. the characters don't say much, but what they say is so flavorful and i just yeah i just get a get a real get a real good vibe whenever i uh find a new bug to speak to Um, (laughs) yeah but it's like it's got that real cozy vibe because you know they all have weird kind of vocal lines you speak to the like um you know the shopkeeper whose husband is has moved to this town and has gone spelunking and left her to run the shop and she's like oh barpanada i get i get that i get that girlfriend that was one Um, that when you mentioned that that they all have cute voice lines that was the first one i thought of as well the lady in the shop sighing (laughs) and going (laughs) barpanaba yeah yeah um, and it just so happens to be the sixth anniversary of Hollow Knight. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting that I've pretty much played it once every three years and yeah, I, I really like that I haven't overdone it, you know, like, mm. um, I think it, that can take away from some games, not all games. Like I've played thousands of hours of Dark Souls. Um, but I still get a kick out of it. But I kind of like that with Hollow Knight, you know, I played it when it first came out and I was like, this is a good game. And then I played it in 2020 and like really took my time with it. I just soaked in those hot springs, really like let the music have an emotional impact on me. And I was like, oh, this game is the best game ever. And like playing it now after like all our podcasting and like having a slightly more developed critical eye i'm just like holy mm. fuck this game is so incredible yeah and when when i think about silk song i'm just like they're not going to be able to do this again like they're just not like it's just everything <laughs> everything is amazing like the level design the music the pacing the power-ups the movement the combat the bosses the designs the aesthetics like everything is incredible and it's just like so interesting to me that like they're going to try and do a sequel in the same genre like i just feel like they had to have used their entire arsenal to pull this game off and i'm really interested to see like i kind of hope they'll they'll try for a bunch of different things and i don't know how you could even do that outside of like you know, Metroidvanias are pretty formulaic in that you've got your traversal and your combat and you get power-ups and that kind of thing. But yeah, I just wonder, like, if they do the same thing again, like, is Lightning gonna strike twice in the same spot? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's been a long time between Lightning strikes, so, you know, maybe. Um, That's true. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I have I have quite a lot of hope for them. I think they have a lot of expectations, but they're not sort of, you know, caving to any of it. It seems like they're like, you know, whenever people are like, where's all the Silk Song? They say nothing for like another six months. And then they, you, get, <laughs> you get like a GIF, a low res GIF on a forum <laughs> somewhere. And you're like, that's it. That's all I get to see. So, you know, who knows what even, it could be a dating sim for all we know. Like they could oh. be making anything. It could all just be a big Kojima misdirect. <laughs> yeah i would i would love that and it's it's you know a completely different kind of um development scenario for them because like with hollow knight they you know ran a kickstarter and like mm. they developed this game for like fifty thousand australian dollars and Bonkers. that's just that's just fucking insane for a video game let yeah. alone one of this scale and it's just incredible so now you know they've sold over three million copies um they got that microsoft backing like apparently silk song's gonna be a game pass day one game yeah um and like what does that mean like if they could do what they did with uh you know 50 grand over a couple of years which is like not a fucking livable wage in australia yeah um what are they doing now that they're basically millionaires and are they going to be able to you know like you know how sometimes when you work within these constraints, you're able to be a lot yeah. more creative to kind of pull certain things off? Like, I feel like now they don't have these financial constraints. I wonder if they're just going to go wild and, like, <laughs> it'll be this amazing kind of magical, even larger scope game, or, like, they'll kind of shoot the themselves in the foot by trying to be too grandiose with all the shit they stuff in yeah yeah look i i don't have any you've got a good point you know like there is something to be said about the beauty of constraint and the way that it informs really great pieces of art um mm. you know i feel like even though sometimes you might have millions of dollars on your site no, hang on, i just gotta let the dog out he's crying at me in the middle of my soliloquy mr zeus <laughs> you go? that's yeah sorry about that um yeah i don't know yeah i think i said all i could say really it's just like hopefully they can they can still recreate the kind of situation that they might have had during the development of hollow knight but in a more sustainable way that allows them to be just as creative but with similar sorts of constraints you know there's like constraints on the, the medium itself you know like it's a side scrolling mm. 2d metroidvania like that's true yeah, I'm sure, like, from all the footage we've seen so far, it's continuing to be 2D and them not being like, yeah, we can do 3D or 2.5D. Like, they kind of have, you know, they haven't strayed too far from the light in that regard. So, you never know. You never know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, maybe it's like you say, they just have these, like, mechanical constraints of, like, the 2D side-scroller dealio, but, uh, you know, they're eating well. And yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> they can pay their rent if they can fucking find a place to rent. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, but uh, I've heard it's bad out there. It's mm, bad. Yeah, it's bad. Um, yeah, yeah. If anyone needs a place to stay, you can stay in my house. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy thing to invite uh, uh... anyone in the world. Um, so am I, sen am I sensing a ballapp.net review of Hollow Knight since this uh, is the, the uh, anniversary? I'm not going to lie. I, like after like getting a solid 10 hours in, I just open my laptop and start fucking brain dumping. Yes. So, so like potentially, I don't know if it's going to be a review or just like a fucking rant about how yeah, good yeah. Hollow Knight is. 
Yeah, it's it's actually going to replace the home page instead of the. You know, <laughs> it'll, it'll just have a picture of Hollow Knight and a review when you scroll down. It's like <laughs> this is all you get. Hell um, uh, yeah! Uh, so yeah, you've been playing that. Anything else? Mm, no, I did. Um, I did start Citizen Sleeper. Mm, so did I. Ooh, ooh la la. Um, but I wasn't. It was really cool and all, but I just wasn't in the right brain zone for text so i went to hollow knight yep. but um yeah, yeah still when i when the mood strikes i'm very keen to to jump into that and suck on the the marrow of citizen sleeper yeah it certainly does seem like the kind of game that is very marrow heavy um mm. i was in, in a similar position i booted up and i was like i'm not in the right place for this i'm gonna come back um mm. sensing the thickness of the marrow uh, <laughs> yeah point of time. well we've got we've got an extra week this week because the last week uh the last day of march happens to be a friday so oh um, nice y- yeah we've we've actually got an extra week to play citizen sleeper so no rush y'all that is the sort of knowledge that only darian could have i would just be completely oblivious i don't know the months in the year i can't tell you all their <laughs> names <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's just the way my brain works um yeah nice i i so i've, I've been playing some games not many yeah yeah um where, where was i write this shit down uh oh so metal gear rising revengeance went on sale this week on steam for the first time it's in oh. ever i think i don't know right yeah well it was their their 10th year anniversary this week wow I don't know why I know this. I don't know why I know the anniversaries <laughs> are, are here, but they're here. They're coming. A lot of the good ones are coming. Um, so yeah, I played. I played the first little bit of that the other day, and that game's so cool, man. It's just such a a wild ride. Um, a laugh, a gaff. Uh, <laughs> it's just a good time. Um, so yeah, and then yeah. I finished playing Season last night. Oh, cool. Yeah. Is that is that the inspiration for this topic? No, but I realized last week I was realistic. I was listening to the app from last week and I mm-hmm. mentioned the word cozy games. And I didn't even realize when I came up with this week's topic that I'd previously mentioned it in last week's episode. So there you go. Oh my God. Continuity folks. It's all there. Maybe that's actually happening in every episode. And we haven't even realized. <laughs> I somehow doubt we're that good. i'm gonna agree with you there um but yeah no season was really cool uh i think if i were to play it again i would play it kind of all in one sitting it's the sort of game that really lends it it's like three and a half four hours long uh, or at Mm -hmm. least two you know one two sittings yeah um there's a lot of like emotional um carryover that i feel like i kind of missed out on because i'd played it for a day or played it for a couple like 45 minutes and then jamie fell asleep and so i packed it in we played continued right. playing the next day or next week or something and yeah, yeah there's just a bit of um continuity that i feel like might have done it a better service than what i was able to do with the sort of sporadic sessions but uh mm-hmm. it's it mm-hmm. fine um yeah it had a cool ending um very happy with it i still recommend it um sweet yeah yeah i think I don't know what the deal is, but when I came to the credits, it was huge. I was expecting it to be like a team of like 15, 20, but they had all kinds of people working for them and huge, like big studios, like contributing. I don't know what they were contributing. I, and I don't know if this was just like a 
you know, they used this particular vendor for their art. And so everyone on the entire outsource team got a credit, even though they oh, didn't sure. necessarily work on it. So yeah, I don't know what the yeah. deal is there, but right. yeah, crazy credits on this thing. Um, yeah. So the one, the one drawback or one of the drawbacks is the animation was not, not super hot. I feel like. Oh, they, really? Yeah. They really had like a, an opportunity to like do really cool stuff with the animation and, and they just did not. So oh, that's, yeah. that's a pity. Yeah. The, and it's a shame because there was like an animated trailer that came out that was super hot. Like it was really fantastic. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know, maybe they chucked all their animation budget in the, in the trailer and not in the game. Wow. Wow. Oh, well, um, I finished playing Hi-Fi Rush. I don't know if I mentioned that last week or not, but there you go. You, you did. You did. Okay. But I love that you're out here finishing games. It's a I'm great feeling. Here. Yeah. Um, and I played some Grounded with you and Demo. That was pretty good. Hell yeah, dude. That's a pretty solid week for getting yeah. some games in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll definitely check out Season. Um, did you... What What were you playing this on? PlayStation 5, but I'm pretty sure it's on everything. Yeah, because it, it does sound like a good kind of Switch game, you know, where you get under the blankets and you hold the Switch real close. Mm -hmm. Let me see if it's on Switch real quick um i don't see it here yeah no if it's on ps5 it's probably not going to be on switch that's that's a trend that i'm yeah. seeing it, it is um, on xbox though so you could do that yeah cool yeah yeah um well speaking of xbox um i've got i've just got so much fucking news for you you wouldn't believe all right um, it has been a news heavy week so hit me with the hit me with the news i'm ready all right, so last, like, I keep talking about, like, stats and certain things that are cropping up because of this never-ending acquisition uh, from Microsoft trying to get into Blizz Activision. Uh, yes, and, yes. And uh, I've, I'm bringing the lowdown. Um, and it's, it's a thick lowdown. This is, like, you know, this is a, a huge piece of chicken but like they've just fucking destroyed it with gravy you know what i'm saying like this yeah. is you're going to feel disgusting after this meal <laughs> my stat receptacles are ready <laughs> okay well, all in. right all right so i'll i'll run you through um the history and i've just picked the highlights right like the, this is a huge thing it okay. spans over 12 months um oh, i got my notepad ready now as well <laughs> okay here we go all right so um january 2022 before this podcast was even live uh xbox announced that it would acquire activision blizzard for 68.7 billion dollars um and you know that includes everything um like all the blizzard stuff wow hearthstone but also the call of duty developers like infinity ward and sledgehammer Wow. Um, huge, huge acquisition. Um, fast forward, April 2022. U.S. senators raise concerns, uh, including Bernie Sanders being, being one of them, um, get, getting into this letter. So this letter outlined concerns that the deal um, might disenfranchise current Activision Blizzard employees following allegations of sexual misconduct, misconduct mm. and other hostile workplace practices. Um, so, like, US senators getting in there, you know, those left-wing people who are, like, 
there's a lot of bullshit going on currently at Activision Blizzard and an acquisition could throw the livelihood of all these people off balance, basically. Right, right. Um, fast forward, August 2022. Xbox launches this website outlining the benefits of the acquisition. And the, this is one of the things I love about giant corporations when they're like, we w- like the benefit is they make more money, but they, they're not allowed to say that for some reason. So they have to, <laughs> they have to spin it in another way. Right. Um, so they, they said that... The acquisition will mean more games on more devices, more choices for how to purchase games, variety for mobile gamers. Um, They also claimed that developers will have easy access to customers, a fairer marketplace, and greater flexibility in payment systems. And all that stuff is just so weird because, like, I don't know how that doesn't exist now. You know, like, from all my research that I did into this, there's nothing innovative that Xbox are offering as part of this acquisition. Like, the way their online marketplace doesn't change. Like, they have the Game Pass kind of situation happening, which does impact developers. You know, they get they get that cash up front. Um, but, yeah, a lot of these claims just kind of feel... Uh, like a marketing ploy yeah, more yeah. than an actual change in the way that they'll like handle developers and consumers. Sounds like corpo mumbo jumbo to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So uh, fast forward again, October, 2022. This is when, this is when we get into the meat of what, what the fuck is going on. Um, so, in the UK, they've got this thing called the Competition and Markets Authority, which is the CMA, and it's um, a segment of the government that makes everything hunky-dory. And uh, similarly, Australia has the same thing. I don't know if America does, you know, and like America really takes capitalism to new unhinged levels. Um, mm-hmm. but, but in the UK and in Australia, there are like a couple of bodies that handle this kind of stuff. And I don't know if America does. Anyway, the CMA, so Competition and Markets Authority, they raised concerns over the acquisition. Um, and they said, this is in October, they said in eight weeks, we're going to produce a document just outlining all the concerns. Um, and in response, obviously, Xbox were like, the, any concerns you can think of are unsupported. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> they were basically like, uh, you know, you might create a monopoly if you own all these big studios and like the console that that you sell them on. Um, and basically, Phil Spencer was like, you know, we're still going to bring Call of Duty to PlayStation, blah 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 blah. And I uh, I got a quote here uh, where he said that if every Call of Duty player on PlayStation switched to Xbox the PlayStation gamer base remaining would still be significantly larger than Xbox. Um, Right, okay. Which is just dumb because that's right now, but if you own all the companies forever, like, things change over time. And again, corporations, I don't know how stupid they think we are, but it just seems, like, very blatantly wrong. Mm. Anyway, uh, still in October... Call of Duty will continue to ship to PlayStation as long as there's a PlayStation to ship to. So, you know, Microsoft are, are still doing this. They're like, yeah, we're, we're not going to monopolize. 
um, a couple of weeks later in November 2022, um, Xbox offers PlayStation a 10-year deal to keep Call of Duty on the platform. And this is the first of a couple of contracts coming up where the acquisition hasn't been finalized and Xbox is signing contracts with uh, developers, you know, developers con- like PlayStation, NVIDIA, yeah. Nintendo. Yeah, really interesting. That's crazy. Um, December 2022. We're getting close to the present. Uh, in America, the Federal Trade Commission sues to block the acquisition. So, in a press release, um, Federal Trade Commission, or the FTC, um, said that Xbox could, and I quote, harm competition in high-performance gaming consoles and subscription services by denying or degrading rivals' access to its popular content. So, again, this is what that um, letter from the UK government body was setting out to do. It was just like, yo, monopolies are not good for people. Um, and they also noted, um, you know, with Microsoft's acquisition of Bethesda, um, Starfield is not coming to rival consoles. And I didn't realize that, um, you know, is Starfield's that big Bethesda thousand planets space thing. Yeah. It's, it's Xbox only and PC only. Right. Um, and yeah, I didn't realize I thought I just assumed it would be on everything. And was that part of, uh, Microsoft's dealings? Is that... Is that the point that they've that they've fought for this exclusivity as a part of trying to help further this deal? Yeah, so right. that's what the FTC is saying. They're right. saying, look, your history in buying other companies like Bethesda, like it's meant that Bethesda's new offerings aren't coming to other consoles, like you you're saying you'll do with right, Call of okay. Duty and Got stuff. It. Yep. So they're just using it like as an example and following. Yep, gotcha. Um, and yeah, feel free to like interrupt because this is fucking huge, right? Yeah, like... there's a lot of info here. <laughs> um, uh, January 2023, just last month, um, the CMA extends its investigation. So that UK body, it's, it's really complex. So they're just like, it's going to take us longer than eight weeks. Um, then in February, so just earlier this month, we got the European Union, they're issuing an antitrust warning to Microsoft, claiming that Microsoft could be incentivized to keep Call of Duty away from rival consoles. Um, so yeah, kind of a bunch of rehashing the same thing, but like more and more kind of, uh, litigation based bodies. You can tell I'm a bit of a fish out of water here, but yeah, they're like, more bodies are noticing that this could be really bad. Um, And so uh, CMA's letter comes out a couple of weeks ago. They're like, this could harm gamers. Um, They published this report and the investigation raised several concerns about the acquisition in a whole. It included risk of higher prices for games, fewer choices, and less innovation for UK gamers, which I thought was a really interesting thing you know like high prices fewer choices sure that's like you know that feels pretty clinical or whatever but less innovation that is like uh, i don't know i wouldn't expect a government body to produce a report that talks about innovation in <laughs> yeah um one particular concern from that report was around cloud gaming 
Um, so currently Microsoft accounts for like 70, uh, 60 to 70% of cloud gaming offerings and making Call of Duty an exclusive could alter that future of cloud gaming. Um, so yeah, that brings us up to speed and brings us to this week's news, which is Microsoft signs a 10 year contract to bring Xbox games to Nintendo consoles. I heard about this. This is bonkers to me. Yeah, so, I mean, Call of Duty hasn't been on a Nintendo console for over 10 years. Like, it was the Wii U was, like, Call of Duty Ghosts, I think. Yeah, um, and it was, like, a pale version of that, right? Like, it was really... Oh, yeah, I I, I remember hearing a lot of bullcrap with, yeah. you know, most third-party games trying to get running well on the Wii U. <laughs> like, it yeah. was just not... It was not a reality for that console. Um... But yeah, like I, you know, I, I've had those stats at the end of last year and that piece of news I had last week and this contract being signed this week. There's just a lot of news revolving, revolving around this ac- acquisition. So I thought it was a good idea to kind of bring context to all that news and yeah. just like now we can all look at it and be like, what the fuck? Like they're signing these contracts and the acquisition isn't finalized. Like that is bizarre yeah. to me. It sounds like they're making moves towards, you know, putting all these structures in place such that if they can't sign the contract, then it will be just as detrimental to the market as if they had in the first place. You know, like, mm. oh, but we've got all these contracts in place. Now the gamers won't get it anyway if we're not able to acquire uh, Microsoft. I mean, they won't <laughs> acquire Activision. So I guess you're going to have to let us do it after all. You know, that's kind of the feeling that I get from all of these contracts. Yeah, yeah. And also just, I don't know, a lack of foresight. Like, again, how dumb do they think they are? Like, 10 years is not a long time. Like, uh, if you if these contracts get your foot in the door and you do acquire Blizz Activision, in 10 years you can do whatever the fuck you want. Like, yeah. that's, I don't know, that just seems really clear to me. Like, why would you trust a corporation to do the right thing and renew those contracts in 10 years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It also hints a little bit at like you know future of Nintendo consoles. Like I think everyone at this point realizes that there's no way in hell that the Switch is running any kind of Call of Duty game, especially a modern <laughs> Call of Duty game. Like, can you imagine Warzone on a Switch? Like, it just is not feasible. <laughs> yeah, um, no, nah. no. Nah. Like, I don't even think the network card can handle multiplayer games over the you know the limit of like eight Splatoon players. Even then, like. <laughs> We're like, you know, crashing. Like, can you imagine any kind of <laughs> Call of Duty lobby running on Nintendo servers? It would just be a nightmare. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, it's so bizarre that they're like, yeah, yeah, Nintendo consoles. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? They're almost two generations behind. Like, what are yeah. we doing here? What are you talking about, Call of Duty on Nintendo consoles? Yeah. No, it's just, yeah, it's totally like a, a fucking ploy just to be like, look. We're not, we're not going to be exclusive with Call of Duty. Yeah. Take yeah, the money. Yeah. Give us the blizz. <laughs> yeah, give us the blizz. Also, $68.7 billion is such an unfathomable sum of, of dosh. It's, it's dumb. Like, it's, yeah. it's super dumb. How much did Elon buy Twitter for? Wasn't it like 42 bill or something like that? 44 billion? I don't, I don't know. But like, is there a difference between like 20 billion and 40 billion and 60 billion? Like, not to our people brains <laughs> yeah like that's i mean yeah that that kind of money just shouldn't 
exist for singular people. No. Yeah, it was 44 billion, by the way. Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, um, all right. Th- thanks for that. that. That was very educational. I, I'm glad that I now have all this info. Great. So, off the back of all that corporate bullshit, um, I got I got some real news, and okay. mo- most of it's good. Okay. Hell yeah. Um, so, the first piece of news I got is Shinji Mikami has left Tango Gameworks. Um, oh. Yeah, this, this is not the end of the world. Um, in 2010, he, like, made a statement and his intention was to, like, you know, start developing titles that he was really passionate about. And um, he wanted to mentor young developers through these titles. Uh, and apparently that's just what he did. So, like, obviously the evil within and the evil within too are, like, I think... Um, I mean, I just think they're amazing games, but, like, he really had the ability to make the game he wanted. And apparently he did a good job of, like, mentoring young developers. Um, and, like, over the decade, it's come to this point where Hi-Fi Rush has come out from Tango yeah. Gameworks. And Mikami was just an executive producer. Um, and so, yeah, it, it he's left Tango Gameworks, but it seems like this is more of a retirement thing. Like right. this, is, this isn't a Kojima scenario where he's being pushed out or whatever. Like he had a lot of creative control within that company. Sounds like he did everything he wanted to based on that statement from 2010. And uh, yeah, it seems like seems like he's on the path to retirement. Good for you, Shinji Mikami. Thank for thanks for all you've done, mate. That's pretty good stuff. <laughs> So yeah, bloody bloody ripper video game director right there. Yeah. Um, obviously the games you mentioned, and like he's the OG Resident Evil director. Yeah. Like yeah. he is Mr. Resident Evil. So like, yeah. fuck yeah, Shinji Mikami. Yeah. What an impact. What an impact. Yeah, huge. I mean, we could we could do an episode just just on him. Yeah. Um. All right. No Man's Sky gets free update number twenty two. Amazing. This this update is called Fractal. They got VR now. You got bigger, better, larger, tastier graphics. You got mech friends, like in Titanfall. You just got giant mech robots that are friends. Yeah, nice. Um, you got a bunch of new multiplayer missions. Uh, at the end of the trailer, the voiceover says more will follow. What? The and heck? it's just it, it's just like oh heck, exactly. It's like man, Hello Games. You guys, you guys rock. I love that you turned around all those lies. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, like, they stuck with it. And that's just fucking cool that, like, they're a beloved video game studio now that completely turned the the kind of consensus around and yeah. they've been winning awards in the last few years for that game that came out you know seven years ago now yeah. and they're still updating it's it balls. yeah it still looks great like it runs beautifully on the playstation 5 and looks fantastic i think yeah. that fucking rules yeah that's great i think it also just to addendum that piece of news with a little chip i found here on the ground um oh, the, yeah the playstation vr 2 support was added with that update 
Right. Oh, yeah, okay. I couldn't find... Yeah, it just said VR, but I was like, I had a feeling it already had VR. But yeah, maybe yeah. that was just for PC or whatever. So yeah, VR 2. Yeah. Bam. Apparently they've done heaps with the VR uh, update as well. Like, it's actually fantastic to do in VR now. So that's good. Sick. Love that. Love that for them. Um, the last chicken wing I got is a uh, gameplay trailer for Dead Cells Return to Castlevania is out. It looks fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. I think I saw it, actually. Oh, my God. So, like, I mean, they, you know, they just put so much content into these paid updates. You know, like, they've... I think they've updated it 32 times with, like, 29 of those updates being free, and this is the fourth paid DLC. Wow. And by paid, I mean, like... Man, when I bought the other DLCs, they were like $3.50 each. I don't know if that was on sale, but it just it's fucking obscene how how cheap they make these DLCs for how much content you get. Um, yep. And one really unique thing that I wanted to highlight is that um, you there's there's a secret level in the game and or in the DLC, and and you get to play as the Belmonts. And all the enemies and bosses are from Castlevania, but it's Dead Cells. So it's yeah. like they've they've remade kind of some Symphony of the Night levels, but in Dead Cells. Mm. And I don't know if this has ever happened before, you know? Like, we get remasters and remakes, but, like, Dead Cells, while is obviously taking a lot of inspiration from Castlevania, is a very different game. And it's basically taking, like the enemies and the levels and stuff from one game and like putting it into the dead cells mold and like <laughs> I, I just can't think of any other game that's done that before with like yeah. a pre-existing ip i can't I, I feel like there is some out there but i don't know i can't think of them off, ha off hand but um yeah that is so cool that they have the sort of framework and it's so cool that they're able to take um that like renowned property and have it in this you know <laughs> i mean dead cells is pretty well known but i feel like most people know castlevania and may not know dead cells so it's like yeah sure. cool you know get this chuck this in here maybe get some more eyes on it cool game come chomp it up hell yeah that's it dude that's my fucking 29 piece feed <laughs> well i got a, a final piece of news for you here um, <laughs> sick <laughs> it's, it's a weird one this is just the news episode you know <laughs> Cozy games, who needs them? We're here with news. <laughs> uh, the Ukraine government wants Atomic Hearts banned on Steam. Or Atomic Heart, I should say. Do you know uh, the game Atomic Heart? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know of it. I know that it's a Game Pass game. Mm -hmm. And oh, I feel like I know something else. Oh, yeah, I saw... I mean, I don't know what kind of game it is, but I saw this screenshot... That was like a sexy android face sitting on like the first person <laughs> camera. Yeah. And I don't know if that was like rule 34 or if that's from the game. I think that's from the game. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of chatter about those busty robot ladies. Um, anyway, right. this is not directly uh, about that. This is about Munfish, M-U-N-D Fish mm -hmm. uh, is the developer. And... Um, Basically, they've been written to by the Ukrainian government. At first, it was a like a tech, um, what do you call it, um, publication. Like a, they write, you know, papers or articles on the, on the websites for related to tech, yeah. um, asking Munfish to, you know, please take these things off the store. 
Um, the, the reason behind this is the game was developed by a Russian-based studio with um, funding from uh, Russian, uh, what would you call them, not military sources, but government sources. Okay. And yep. so there's sort of like a bit of a Harry Potter, you know, style thing going on here where it's like, oh, this game shouldn't shouldn't be successful because of the, you know, the people who stand to make money from it are, are bad people style situation again. So that's the reason that they call it this band. Yeah. Well, I think that's completely fair. Mm. Um, I, and I think, uh, you know, same with that Harry Potter thing for like trans people to feel like, you know, if if you buy and and support this Harry Potter video game, um, like, are you are you really an ally? Mm. And like, um, this, you know, this is not really for me to say, but I think it's just super fair because this is their life. You know, this is yeah. their life as a human being. Like, being trans is fucking hard enough as it is. Uh, being in a war zone is fucking hard enough as it is. So I mm. think it's just completely valid to be like hey when you buy this video game do you understand what you're doing and i think that's like that can be really important you know i feel like uh, a lot of the news i bring is sometimes pretty dark and Mm. i i don't think it needs to inform every decision you make but i think there's kind of a healthy balance where like if i was really excited for the harry potter game and i bought it I think it's important to know, you know, what it means and what the background yeah. is. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean I have to, like, uh, involve myself in uh, the discourse. Uh, but, well, here yeah, you are. I think... Welcome. You're in it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's really important just to know, like, uh, where video games come from, how they're made, who you are supporting. But at the same time, in this capitalist wasteland, like it is hard to keep track of every evil motherfucker that you're inherently supporting just by being alive and buying like, you know, salad in plastic from Coles. Like, yeah, yeah, I I think it is about balance. It is about kind of having some responsibility to be aware of this stuff. But like at the same time, yeah, I don't think it should inform every decision, but it's, it's nice to be informed for sure. Yeah, I mean, this, totally, I agree with all that. Uh, I, I think this is kind of an interesting one because it's the Ukrainian government writing a letter to Valve, Microsoft, and Sony requesting that the game be removed from the storefronts. Um, mm, and in the I case of that... that is sort of, different, hey? Yeah, but it's the same, it's under the same vein, you know, it's like, is mm. uh, is this company who is not, whilst not directly um, uh, giving money to these you know, people who are basically funding a war, mm. um, they are somehow, you know, through, through like, you know, six degrees of separation or whatever it is involved in that exchange of money. Right. And that's, it's mm. probably closer in terms of degrees than, than most would prefer. Um, and this was brought up a little bit sort of hot off the heels of the Harry Potter thing. And I think it sort of got a little bit less attention than, um, the Harry Potter thing. Um, though it's of a similar ilk, like you were just talking about, it's like, yeah, there's there's sort of the no um, uh, ethical consu- ethical consumption under capitalism line that gets trotted out a lot, which is sort of a little bit of a fallacy because you know at a certain point, like you say, we do need to all take responsibility and have like a bit of a consciousness about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, I just thought I would bring that one up um, because it's yeah, it's quite quite a quite a call. Yeah, well, I think um, yeah, I mean, yeah, good good points. Um, and I think if there was a country that was transsexual, <laughs> they may do the same thing. You know, like yeah. it's just you're right. It it is actually really similar. It's just that this actually involves a whole country rather yeah. than uh, you know a group of people. Um, so I'm just going to read a little bit from the article here, just to maybe give you a little bit more clarity, and then we'll, I promise we'll go talk about warm fuzzy things. <laughs> it's like this episode is fucking over. Yeah, you came here to listen to cozy games. Oh my god, <laughs> it just hit you with so much like, like fucked up shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Here's the capitalist wasteland we're in, and here's the war that's going on, and there's all these sexual assault <laughs> allegations and J.K. Rowling and yeah, anyway. Oh god. Yeah, Ukraine's, you know what? Sorry. It's good. It's good. We're gonna need. Crazy games after yes, this. Yes, exactly. That's part of the thing I was going to talk oh. about. Ukraine's Ministry of Digital Affairs says that it will send a letter uh, owing to the toxicity of Atomic Heart and the potential collection of user data information and the possibility of their transfer to third parties in Russia. Our own Atomic Heart review provides a comprehensive look at the shooter, blah, 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 blah. Uh, regarding mm -hmm. the situation with the release of Atomic Heart, which has Russian roots and romanticizes communist ideology and the Soviet Union, the Ministry of Digital Transformation of Ukraine will send an official letter to Sony, Microsoft, and Valve requesting the ban on selling digital versions of this game in Ukraine. Hmm. Um, so yeah, just in Ukraine it says here, but I don't know if like how what that extends to whether or not it means they're planning on first saying yes, please start with Ukraine, but we would really rather it not be sold or you know have have reach in other countries or allied mm -hmm. countries. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. We also urge limiting the distribution of this game in other countries. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Due to this toxicity, <laughs> potential data collection, blah, 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 blah. Okay, we've said that. Um, according to media reports, the game's development was funded by Russian enterprises. The statement continues. Therefore, we call all users worldwide to avoid this game. We also want to emphasize that the game's developers not, have not publicly condemned Putin, the Putin regime, regime, and the bloody war that Russia has unleashed against Ukraine. Um... The developer Munfish has come under increasing scrutiny in recent weeks after it was alleged that the Russian government stands to gain financially from the release of Atomic Heart. This is due to the fact that the investors involved, um, sorry, I just lost where I am, involved in the financing of Munfish include Gem Capital, an investment fund whose founder has ties to the Gazprom and the VTB Bank, both of which are majority owned by the Russian state. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's kind of just a little bit more details on what we already spoke about, but anyway. Go, go yeah. have a look at those stories. Um, yeah. I mean, super, super fair. I'd feel exactly the same way if I was in the Ukraine right now and my government was tweeting how to make homemade Molotov cocktails. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy stuff. Um, there is another news story, but I'm going to leave it to next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also more doom and gloom. But yeah, oh, my God. We'll leave All it right. All right, I'm literally fucking dry of serotonin. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I need, I need something cozy, Joe. All right. Well, the thing that makes it co all cozy is uh, this is a request, by the way. Could you just edit in the um, Animal Crossing's New Horizons intro music <laughs> right here? That yeah. Very, very happy to. That would be great because now we're here in Cozy Land. Welcome to Cozyland, everyone. 
We've only got a few minutes left of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I promise it'll all be worth it. I actually don't know. I, these notes are even more scattered than normal, so hopefully we can go on this together. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Okay. So how about we have a little bit of cozy history? It's a really short history, so, you know. Um, yeah, I've got my hot cocoa, my warm blanket. Dog is drying out by the fireplace. Drying so out? Yeah, the dog's been wet, swimming, happy dog, oh, wet okay. dog. Dog, dry, fireplace, good vibes, crackling, mm, maybe a bit of rain on the roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lo-fi radio playing in the background. Or the yeah. sounds of our soothing voices coming at you. So, mm. here we go. Harvest Moon is old as balls. It came out in <laughs> 1996 <laughs> on the Super Nintendo in Japan. Um, did you ever play a Harvest Moon game? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I in in high school, I was. Uh, I can't. I honestly, there've been so many Harvest Moon games, yeah, yeah. and every time one gets remastered and like comes to the Switch or something, I just can't recognize it. But yeah, I played one that would have come out in the early noughties, and I loved it. It was so fucking addictive, and it like. Yeah kind of gave me all the good vibes that stardew valley does but back then yeah so it's it's kind of been one of the staples of like the farming genre since simply because it's been around for so long you know it's just right. been harvest moon all kinds of you know re-releases and updates and versions and all that sort of stuff uh next is uh and this wasn't in the person's video that i was watching about crazy games i watched several videos about it no one mentioned it which is disappointing but oh. uh boku no um, oh yeah yeah that came out in the year 2000 and um yeah i definitely would class that as a cozy game it's a game about a boy who goes on summer holiday um at like a little holiday house i think it's his grandparents house or something i'm not sure i can't remember but i think it's his aunt and his uncle yeah there you go aunt and uncle's house in the japanese countryside and you just have a little you know just have a little holiday you catch bugs you poke a beehive you talk to your friends pat the dog it's all there for you yeah and shout out because it has been japanese only for the last 22 years but there's been a fan release that you can get on pc and it's translated to english so you can totally get up in that if you're an english speaker which i assume you are if you're listening to this podcast and you've got a pc yeah hell yeah good shout out um animal crossing came out in 2001 the original mm. um and this sort of was the you know a real introduction to the, the idea that cozy games are kind of like a thing you know like you can just wander around town and um, chat to your uh, town folk and uh, put put pots uh, pot plants down all that sort of stuff all the stuff that you get from animal crossing um stardew valley came out in 2016 and sold 20 million copies we love stardew valley holy moly can you imagine being like there's like a few developers who made stardew valley you know like a couple of dude, couple of folks dude it's it's one it's yeah one dape yeah concern dape he, he did all the music he did all the coding all the sprites all the art all the mechanics he yeah. did it all and then just being a multi-millionaire <laughs> because of a farming game you made in 2016. Yeah. And I mean, he's been updating that a lot yeah. in, in the years since then. Like he added multiplayer, all this stuff. And he's got he's got a new game coming out called The Haunted Chocolatier. Oh, I right. Think. 
Okay. Um, that was announced maybe a year ago, and uh, it just, yeah, same cozy, cozy vibes. I thought they were making a, a magical girl game about being a little witch in a town, but I might be wrong about that. Mm, I don't. I don't think he can make two games at once. He is amazing, but uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, unless maybe he's really expanded with, with the, the sales of 20 million copies. Oh, look. Um, Okay. Yeah. Uh, I almost started talking about the new story that I was going to talk about anyway. Sorry. (laughs) I felt the urge to bring it up. Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons came out on the 20th of March, 2020, and it couldn't have come out at a better time. It actually came out the same day as Doom Eternal. Yeah, that's right. Not a cozy game. Um, no, but I remember seeing heaps of fan art with Doom Guy and Isabel like hanging out. Yeah, I, I picked them both up on the same day, and I remember sitting down and and like installing Doom Eternal and playing a little bit of Animal Crossing, and then there was like a lull in Animal Crossing, and I played some Doom Eternal, and it was a good day. Wow, that's sick. Um, yeah, because you get to a point in Animal Crossing New Horizons where like you can't progress anymore, you know, like unless you just want to wander around the town hitting people or whatever like you can't actually do anything yeah yeah unless you're a filthy cheater (laughs) yeah i i gotta say i actually didn't play stardew valley until 2021 yeah um that's the first time i played it and i would like i i put like 250 hours into new horizons wow and and it's you know i had a great time it like like you say came at the perfect time and it was really comforting um and like literally everyone i knew that owned a switch bought it on day one so it was like really cool to visit everyone's towns and stuff yeah that was a really special time you know like hanging out playing animal crossing going to each other's villages and doing little i had a friend who did like little market stalls every weekend where people would bring items or they would put items down and you could buy them from them or just trade oh that's so cool very very cool um But yeah, really, really enjoyed it. But yeah, when I played Stardew Valley for the first time, I was like, holy shit, do Animal Crossing players know about this game? Because this <laughs> game is a million times better than Animal Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more there for you in Stardew Valley. Um, yeah, yeah. So we can think of the kind of ethos of these cozy games as the romanticism of everyday life. Um, I, I really like that little quote that, we, that I found. Um, yeah, that's cute yeah um so project horseshoe which i don't know exactly what they are they appear to be some sort of research body um did a did a report in 2017 to try and define what a cozy game is oh um which i think is pretty interesting you know it came like hot off the heels of stardew valley and was kind of before new horizons and i feel like cozy games wasn't especially in like the everyday lexicon but maybe it was Um, yeah 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 so they they basically came to the summarization that these cozy games motivate the players on a not urgent but important model. So everything that you do in the game isn't urgent, but it's pretty important, you know. So that's the right. that's the vibe. Um, that's they have cool. they have three main building blocks, which is safety, the absence of serious risk, and abundance. Mm-hmm. So you know you're able to execute tasks without the risk of taking damage easily or dying um mm-hmm, is the mm-hmm. absence of serious risk so you know usually whenever there's like the whole idea in game design of like risk reward so doing something that's potentially gonna damage you or hurt you badly is usually in, in service of getting a reward there's no real risk so 
And then mm-hmm. the final piece is abundance. So you've always got enough to do, or usually you've got enough to do kind of what you want to do at that point in time. Right. Um, or you're working towards that abundance phase. Yep. Um, yeah, they, they usually have minimal stress. This is outside the horseshoe. This is just sort of my own notes here. They mm-hmm. go at their own pace or like a slow kind of pace. It's usually sure. like an, an escapism, which is what we sort of mentioned before, you know, like we are talking about all the doom and gloom, but here's a bunch of cozy stuff to, to pull you away from. <laughs> totally, which, yeah. Which, um, which I think is pretty special about cozy games and the way that they do it. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit later because I kind of struggle with cozy games sometimes um, just because of the way that they operate. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll dig into that in a sec. Uh-huh. Um, melancholy, which I think is kind of present in a lot of the stuff that you see with like Animal Crossing music. There'll be like, you know, rainy music and or rainy sounds and Animal Crossing music mixes on YouTube for hours, which mm. kind of delivers you that sense of melancholy and sitting by the window and it being a, a, a wet day outside feels kind of for sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, not too easy. They can be hard, but they must be relaxing. I think something the line that, um, Stardew Valley sat on was really cool where it was like you don't really need to go to the mines but there is challenge there if you're looking for it um Mm, that that whole aspect managing your energy and that kind of thing was felt like it wasn't super like you didn't have to be like always completely on top of it but it was something to keep in mind yeah and like I mean Stardew Valley has so much choice like you don't have to visit the mines once to to get to the end of that game and you don't have to like you know marry any of the characters or or speak to the characters to see the end of that game either like you it's just there to chill and farm and like you kind of just get to interact with whatever you interact with and there's not really like you don't get punished for not doing things which is yeah really comforting for sure yeah, that lack of punishment and just sort of free roam feeling is um, really present in uh, season as well. They mm, sort of right. like set you loose and you're just like, oh, it's, it's kind of a semi-open environment where you just walk around, take photos and record things. And then you put it in a scrapbook. It's like, it's very, very relaxing. Delicious. Uh, and they even say to you at the start of the game, you know, this, there is no, you know, I can't remember what the quote is exactly, but they say, don't, you're not in a hurry to do anything. You can take your time and go at your own pace and just enjoy yourself. You don't, you'll, I think they say, no, they don't. But there is a point that you can get to where it's like, this is going to be the end of the game here. If you want to progress, you can't go back, which is mm. nice. I always like it when I get warned about that. Yeah, same. Um, um, Breath of the Wild was mentioned in the in one of the videos that I watched being a cozy game. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. So I think that, that melancholy of like running through the forest in Breath of the Wild and the piano picks up and, you know you're just chilling is, is a very special feeling. Yeah. I mean, after I beat it, I would just every now and again, jump in for an hour and just, yeah, just run around and just to be there. Yeah. And like, yeah, the, the cozy feeling was legit. That's such an interesting, you know, um, thing that you just said, just to be there is, is very delicious to me. Cause I remember playing like Bioshock when I was younger and, uh, booting up the game afterwards just to be in the land of rapture because i really like being there and that feeling of being there same with death stranding being in that world is really tangible um yeah and i feel that about a bunch of other games as well so maybe that's a topic in the making um anyway ooh la la ooh la la uh the pandemic really pushed cozy games to the fore there was a bunch of 
um, you know, as a result of people being stuck inside and not being able to go anywhere. These these games offered up something that was like not stressful or about shooting zombies or a virus or anything like that. It was just about chilling out with your pals and having a farm or talking to some villagers or making something look pretty. Um, mm -hmm. The One of the videos that I watched spoke a lot about the sort of feminine nature of cozy games, not in the sense that they are for females, um, but they he, he spoke a lot about like, you know, the vibe and pace and f like sorts of things that you do in these games feeling feminine to him, which I thought was an interesting take. I don't necessarily agree with it 100%, but I thought it was like an angle to take. Yeah, I mean, that kind of feels like an anachronism in a way, because historically, like, feminine is nurturing mm. and masculine is seeking or right. whatever. Yeah. And I mean, that's all good and well, but yeah, I think, I think it's much more accepted to be a nurturing person who identifies as a man. Totally. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why he was saying it doesn't necessarily or at all with cozy games have to tie to gender or anything like that. Yeah. 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 But I think like traditionally for, for sure, that kind of nature nurture thing was a hundred percent like a, a feminine concept but uh thankfully that's a bit different now yeah. <laughs> yeah um so let's see here uh animal crossing new horizons came out during the pandemic like i said it was a crazy timing it's almost felt like it was planned in a weird way sort of like how yeah. death stranding was all about people being stuck inside and also was uh, right before the pandemic happened Bro, um, when you when you let me Death Stranding in the thick of like the Melbourne lockdowns, I like I feel like I had a transcendental experience. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, Kojima can see the future. <laughs> yeah. like it, it, it was very immersive playing it at that particular time. Yeah. People have been like, hey man, try not to make a game about like you know, some other terrible thing happening because it seems <laughs> as though you're like some soothsayer predicting the future constantly. Uh, and he's like, I promise I won't do it this time around, but I don't, I don't believe that for a minute. Um, 32 million copies of Animal Crossing New Horizons were sold in the first year, which is bonkers. Yeah, that's, that's fucked. To, to give you all an idea, uh, Elden Ring, which is not an exclusive, you know, Animal Crossing is only on Nintendo consoles. Elden Ring has been out for a year now, and it sold 20 million copies, yeah. and it's one of the biggest games ever. Yeah. So, like, Animal Crossing selling 30 plus million on yeah. one console is fucking bonkers. Yeah, it's huge. It's it's criminal um, what they've done. <laughs> um, and it actually yeah. was the reason for a lot of people buying the Switch. And I think it actually in some ways led to the, a bit of the uptick of cozy games. You know, like you've got a Switch, you've just played Animal Crossing, you're one of those 32 million fools. Um, <laughs> you are now looking for what else to do with this fancy Switch machine that you now own and on mm. the store that just so happens to be a lot of these styles of games because lots of indies, which traditionally indies seem to be, you know, not traditionally, but it seems as though cozy games tend to be the, um, the wheelhouse of the indie studio. Mm. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, there's, there's a lot of that happening and for a while there, people were like, these cozy games are taken over. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. 
There's a fantasy about taking games that are normally hard and unapproachable and replacing their mechanics with cozy game styles one, like for example in Dark Souls 3, turning it into a farming sim or Hollow Knight turning it into a cute dating sim. Um, <laughs> there's That sort of stuff has cropped up, you know, Skyrim mods where you're uh, all you do is pick flowers and run a shop um mm. or like you're a weed farmer <laughs> like there's all sorts of stuff like that um games like minecraft have really had the cozy treatment pretty intensely oh, yeah i mean actually even original minecraft is a great call out because it is very chill like those basic poppy crispy sound effects yeah. the sunset in its kind of blocky digitized glory i don't yeah. know I, yeah. I think Minecraft's cozy as hell. I feel you there. They've really lent into it. There's a bunch of like texture packs and mods you can get about, you know, having a little. Oh, can you hear the drilling? Because I can. Yeah, um... I can hear the drilling. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Uh, yeah, having a bunch of texture packs and um, mods that enable you to like have a little cottage in the woods and fill it with all sorts of lovely little cute things. And so way less yeah, about. That's awesome you know, farming and monsters and bosses and all that sort of junk. And it's way more about just making a cute little space. That's cool. Um, so I thought I'd just go through and list some cozy games and then sort of round it out with the thing that I was talking about before. Yeah. 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 All right. So if you're into these styles of games, here's a bunch. And this is what the notion AI gave me as well as a few of my own contribution. Mm -hmm. So my note taking app has just added AI. Like you can just press spacebar and ask the AI stuff. And it's pretty crazy. Um, the future is here. So here's what it came up with. Slime Rancher, also Slime Rancher 2. A mm -hmm. first-person game where you raise and care for adorable slimes on a faraway planet. <laughs> yep, sounds cozy as hell. Yeah, yeah. I actually really want to try Slime Rancher 2. It looks really good. Um, oh, shit. Coffee Talk, a visual novel set in a coffee shop where you serve drinks to a variety of interesting customers. Mm -hmm. uh, Firewatch, yep. a narrative-driven game where you play as a fire lookout in the Wyoming wilderness and uncover a mystery. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think I think that has cozy parts. I don't know yeah. if I'd agree that's a cozy game though. Mm -hmm. That's um, kind. Of, there's a lot of ominous, eerie shit going on in Firewatch. <laughs> I feel you there. Um, a short hike, a relaxing exploration game where you hike up a mountain to meet friendly characters along the way. Oh, I'm so keen on a short hike. I really want to play it. It's only like an hour long too. Oh. I'm very keen on it. It's got to go on the list. We're on the Games Club. Games mm. Club. Um, <laughs> We're raising bears now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Donut County. I wouldn't call this one a... Maybe it is a little bit, but it's a physics-based puzzle game where you play as a whole, <laughs> swallowing have, up objects and growing bigger. Have you played Donut County? I have not. Okay, so, like, it's maybe just over an hour long. Yep. Um, and it is extremely chill. Okay, so it is a good game. Yeah, so like, it's got it's kind of broken up into two segments, right? So you got the the hole segments where you're a hole in the ground, and you got the story segments where like all the characters that fall through the hole are down the bottom talking, right. and like the dialogue is really cute and contemporary, and like there are you know raccoons that can talk, and yeah, it's it's actually quite cozy. Interesting um golf that donut country donut county is a weird one because it was like a melbourne or australian dev that was making it and then some chinese developer swooped in with the exact same idea like they'd obviously seen the trailer and like saw it go viral and they were like here's a mobile game it's called hole.io you play a hole and you pick up things 
like in Donut County and it just like took all of the wind out of the sails for Donut County. Oh. It really sucked. I remember being there when that happened. Oh, um, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, golf Story. I don't know if Golf Story is a cozy game, but it's it's there. An RPG that combines golfing mechanics and a charming story with characters. That's a little mm-hmm. top-down golfing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Little Wood, a game where you rebuild a town after a great evil has been defeated and interact with its inhabitants. Uh, never mm. heard of it, looks cool. Uh, East Shade, an open world game where you play as a traveling painter exploring and capturing the beauty of the world. Wow, never heard of that one. Oh, that one sounds all right. Uh, Kind Words, a game where you write and receive anonymous letters from other players offering support and positivity. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. What a great idea. Yeah, uh, a game called Yonder, the Cloud Catcher Chronicles, an adventure game where you explore a beautiful, magical world and complete quests for its inhabitants. Um, and then I, I wanted to mention, this is a Melbourne developed game by a friend of mine, uh, called Kinder World. It sounds much like kind words. Hey, um, <laughs> and it's a similar game, but it's for mobile. Um, and it's a game where you water a plant twice a day by writing like little affirmations and it will like ask you, you know, what are you grateful for? What's something great that happened to you today? Who is a friend who you really love? And it will water the plant with a you know, little watering animation and the, there's also sections where you can write stuff for other players to read or find if they're struggling. And so it's just supposed to be like a nice, um, you know, chill, uh, mental health improving style game. I think they've also recently added like decorating a little room. Um, so yeah, sounds pretty cool. Right. Yeah. It sounds like my therapist would love me to play that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I had a therapist, they would also love me to play that game. Uh, unpacking, which a lot of people oh. have. Yeah. Yeah, was was waiting for this one. Yeah, uh, Power Wash Simulator. Yeah, I played that for the first time the other day, and I got to say that's a hard disagree for me. Yeah, I did not find that relaxing at all. Yeah, right. I, I've, like, I've yeah, I've known people who feel the same as you, and also the opposite, where they're like, "This game just, I love the soothingness of this game." <laughs> yeah, um, I liked watching Phoebe play. That that was cool, but doing it myself, I was like, I gotta get this shit clean. <laughs> you know, like... How did it get so dirty? This is yeah, stressful. yeah. I don't know that. Yeah, that was not cool. That was uh, yeah, did not appreciate. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Calico, which is another Melbourne developed or Australian developed game about uh, a bunch of cats that you own and walk around with and ride, like giant cats. Oh, sick. Um, Spirit Farer. Um, I don't have information on Spirit Fair, but I've seen it being played. It's a two two D side scrolling platformer, um, which is uh, I think you are on a boat and you are taking these creatures to the uh, their afterlife. So it's a bit sad. Yeah, quite chill. Yeah, I I don't know if I'd call it a, a platformer. It's kind of like um, yeah, you have this boat and you're basically the catalyst to move these souls from like the physical world to the afterlife and like you get them set up on the boat you build their houses you do a bit of farming a bit of resource hunting um but it's it's like a really kind of dialogue heavy emotional experience like there's yeah there's not like a lot of platforming you know you jump around the boat but it's like it's not a challenge i don't think yeah yeah um then there is my time my time at Porcher, which is a farming game and a game called wildflowers which is out on pc and mobile as well and this is another australian developed game a lot of australians in here so is unpacking mm. actually there you go 
Um, oh, I didn't know unpacking was Aussie. Yeah, Brisbane Brisbane devs. They won a BAFTA for that game. Um, oh, sick. Yeah, Wildflowers is a witchy, um, cozy style farming slash spell casting dating game. It's got a lot of stuff in there. It's kind of got all the hallmarks of, of, a, of a cozy game. Uh, wow. Yeah, looks pretty cool. Um, one game to tack onto that list, mm. one of the originals, is uh, Flower by that game uh, company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very Extremely. Like, meditative kind of floaty style game, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the last one that I've got here is Disney Dreamlight Valley. Um, and I wrote here, this is exactly what you get when you cross the concept of cozy games look profitable and we're one of the largest conglomerate media uh, companies on planet earth um, <laughs> you get a farming sim with copyrighted characters and i thought uh, yeah it, it's just like such a weird i think it's quite popular but it's you know heavily monetized and it's got disney all over and you know yeah, goofy, fuck goofy tells you how to catch a fish it's just it's it's, <laughs> it's you know when we were talking about like last week and i want to dig into this again at one at some point but mario being in like the real world in some weird way uh -huh. and talking about mario's fa father and it's technically the Mario brothers, so they are related. So they do have a father and a mother, and what's the go with that? This is kind uh -huh. of like in the same vein. It's like, okay, we're here in Disney Dreamlight Valley, and everyone is here. It's sort of like Kingdom Hearts, you know, how like Goofy <laughs> and Mickey Mouse and Sora from Final Fantasy are all hanging out, and there's Elsa for some reason. Like, it's just, it's such a bizarre concept to me that these things have crossovers. Yeah, I feel like that's cozy i was gonna say cozy game for kids but like all those other games are also cozy games for kids yeah this is, yeah this is just conglomerate hell <laughs> yeah. for cozy games yeah i i just wanted to check that on the end there because it technically is but it's also like pretty weird and i i love i love that kind of you know all in the same universe thing that these companies tend to do that's just really strange and wonderful to me yeah in a gross way um yeah so yeah, I don't, I've written something here at the end about the way that I struggle with cozy games sometimes. Oh, yeah. um, and I don't know if it's gonna come out right. I sort of wrote it in a bit of a haste. So let's just read it and see what it says, hey? <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. Um, cozy games can put our lives into perspective. Uh, they show just how low the bar can be in order to feel fulfilled. And therein lies the issue I have with certain cozy games. It's almost like the oversimplification of the problems of life are insulting, uh, and the menial tasks that I'm given shine especially brightly under the ugly light of how complicated, boring, and sometimes pointless life feels at the best of times. So, yeah, I, I've started to feel this a little bit with Animal Crossing, especially towards the end of my time with Animal Crossing, where it was like, kind of insulted by, I felt, not insulted, I don't, I don't know what the word is, there's a word there where it's like offended by the way that this had captured me or like had my attention um mm -hmm. and it sort of a, a comes close to that sentiment of like video games are a waste of time you know like that's the feeling that you get that i sort of get from this this point of view that i have with this but it's maybe a little bit more nuanced than that especially with regards to these style of games um yeah so yeah i, I can struggle with them sometimes because it's like wow you know, my life in, in Stardew Valley has everything it could ever need. I have all the food and shelter and a good income. And why isn't my life like that? You know, it's like, <laughs> that that's the meme. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that at the end here. Yeah, I, I maybe felt similar at the end of, of my Animal Crossing career. 
Mm. Um, I, I yeah, I I don't know what the word is. I wouldn't say I felt offended or anything like that, but I did feel like all of a sudden, like I had this epiphany, like I was just wasting my time. Yeah. Um, but I did get a lot of time out of that game where, uh, you know, it is just about being in the world and chilling and yeah. like speaking to your anthropomorphic buds and yeah i think it's good for that like i think that's what cozy games are good at and i think um you know how we were talking about kentucky route zero being a mood game Mm. i think cozy games as a genre are mood games Mm. like i think um and man i gotta be honest like i'm almost ready to put hollow knight in the mood game category Um, hell yeah because it's like when I booted up Hollow Knight this time, because, you know, when you played it last year, I booted it up and wanted to give it a go. And, like, I was just like, oh, yeah, it's good to be back, but, like, I'm not quite there. And, like, this time I, like, booted it up and I listened to the entire track in the menu before starting the game. And, like, I, I've just been taking my time. Mm. And it's just been the most beautiful experience. And... Yeah. I think like cozy games are a little bit like that. And same with Kentucky where like, I think you've got to be in that frame of mind where there's, there's no rush, you know, there's like, yeah. it's, it's actually going to make the experience worse if you kind of try to play it. Like I usually play games. It's not like I'm rushing through them, but when I'm playing hi-fi brush, I'm like bouncing around. I'm like, fuck yeah, check this out, run over here. But in hollow night, I'm just like, ah, uh, Look at the map. I'm going to place a marker here. This is where I want to go. Ooh, I yeah. got a little bit distracted. Going to place a marker here so I can come back, go down this road. Ooh, a hot spring. And, like, I'm going to sit in the hot spring for five minutes and just listen to the piano. Like, I feel <laughs> like Hollow Knight and Cozy Games really sing when you treat them like that. I would agree. I Yeah. I, I think the thing that really helps me, and it helped me a lot with Season, was it wasn't just a game about scrapbooking. It wasn't just, like, the, the point of the game wasn't just to take photos and make audio recordings and put them in a scrapbook. The point mm. of the game, like, it had something to say about, like, you know, senescence and the end of things mm. and the way that recording things is important for the future. Like, it mm. has this whole concept that's, like, baked into the, the stuff that you're doing that really helps, like ground it and nail it to something that is that like you know is that has something to say about something um Mm. and maybe that's the problem that i kind of fall fell into with animal crossing where it was like you know i sort of ran out of selfish reasons to be playing it and then all of a sudden it was like oh it's sort of like in minecraft when you're like building a house you're like i have a goal to do and now suddenly there's like this great framework for you to enjoy your time in the game but as soon as you're done building the house it's like oh what have i done like I've just wasted right. this whole, I've wasted all this time, and all I have to show for is this house. Whereas, like, yeah, if, if, if as long as there's like something to kind of ground you there, I find it's a lot easier. Um, mm. And maybe yeah. that's why Stardew Valley is so successful, is because there's so many of those in that game. It's like little storylines with with the mines and little storylines with the farm, and all the characters have their own history. Like everything there is like a little thing to say. Yeah, um, totally, so, yeah. totally. And that's also Man. why I really liked um, what Tim Rogers had to say about um, Bokono Natsuyasumi. Is because, you know, it's like it's all about trying to have the perfect holiday or whatever. And same thing with that dating scene. It's like you can't have the perfect date, and the game tells you that if you do, <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, you like yeah, you, yeah. you shouldn't have done this. Like it's not about having the perfect summer. It's it's just about taking your time. Like you fucked up. It's not possible to get the perfect score. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I think that sentiment is spot on. And uh, Tim Rogers did an especially good job with Pocket oh, yeah. No Nazi Yasumi, where um, he, like, didn't record his footage of the first playthrough. And he was like, you know, this is a holiday just for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is that is spot on. You know, and for him, like he's been recording every game he plays for for many many years. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I I like that whole presentation and that idea around yeah, just like you're there to enjoy the moment and like nothing is more important than the present. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yep. Man, I I wonder if you'll play kentucky again before the year is out it's gonna be num- number one for you it's like i i feel like all the games like the topics we talk about everything is leading up to like you know it feels like you're back at uni and like the final exam is kentucky route zero yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe you know I, it, it is still there um uh, yeah i I, I, yeah, like I said in the episode, I just struggled with the way it delivered the information and whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So that's Cozy Games. That's all I have to say about that. You got Hell any, yeah. Uh, got any addendums for us? Any last thoughts, tidbits, if you will? Yeah, I guess I got one, which is like, I think you've done a great job breaking down Cozy Games as a genre, but I think like Cozy Games is also something that's going to be pretty subjective. Um, yeah, totally. Like for me, Hollow Knight is a cozy game through and through, and it's one of the hardest games I've ever played. Um, and like that's gonna turn a lot of people off, and that's not gonna kind of draw them in if they are in that cozy zone. But yeah, when I think of like cozy games, cozy cozy music, cozy cozy movies for me, like a lot of them are like really heavy, mm. and if you haven't seen them before, like they're really fucked up. Um, like, you know, I wanted something cozy and familiar the other week. So I watched Apocalypse Now <laughs> yeah. and, and like, I had a really great time, uh, but I've seen that movie a bunch and like, that's cozy for me, but yeah. like, yeah, I feel like it's kind of a phenomenon with, with certain people to like find like horror, a, a cozy experience. Yeah. Same with like um, heavy metal or death metal, you know, like they find exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and that that's kind of where I'm at. So yeah, I just wanted to shout out to like the subjective side of cozy games, where like I think as a genre, it's it's completely different, but it's still totally valid to be like, you know, my cozy game is PT. Yeah, which which it is fucking not, but like I can imagine. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I can also like just further to that, like nostalgia feels like a bit of a coziness factor as well. You know, like oh. when I. Yeah, if I were to like go and plug my Nintendo sixty four machine in and put, um, oh god, Mario sixty four in and play it, do you hear my brain just like grind to a <laughs> yeah, halt just then? Just, um, just uh, like everything melted down and yeah. the jus was slowly simmering. Yeah, I, I wanted to say uh, like my Nintendo sixty four machine and Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my brain was doing. It's like yeah, now say Nintendo. Oh um, god. Yeah, th- there's like a cozy feeling to that whole experience just being in the world of mario 64 even though it's like a you know the platformer game it's like the music takes me back the um the levels take me back the graphics takes me back and it all just feels so comforting and warm it's like 
it's like yeah it's like putting on a nice jacket that you've had for many years and it's like yeah i know this i know this feeling yeah yeah that's really nice and it's so personal exactly you know uh if you're listening to this and you want to let us know what your cozy games are i'd really love to hear it because i feel like there's just no rules with what you find cozy totally Um, and it'd be cool to hear other people's picks yeah, if you made it this far, you know, you have to get through... <laughs> <laughs> that is so fair, yeah. You have yeah. to make your way through the, um, the, 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 what am I trying to say here? The morasses. <laughs> the morasses, yeah. <laughs> the minefield of um, dark news stories and personal anecdotes to get here. But um, if you're here, yeah, tell us all about your favorite Crazy Games game. Maybe the atypical ones, you know, the ones that other people might find hard to bear, but you, for some reason, just totally enjoy. Totally. Totally. All right. I've spoken, Hell yeah. I've spoken enough. I've said a lot of words today. It's only midday. Solid. Solid. You've done well. We hope you have a lovely weekend. We'll catch you next time. Friendos. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.